Hello everyone and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney and I've got something a bit special for you this week. Uh, today, which is the 9th of February 2023, sees my new book released. It's called Sort Your Head Out, Mental Health Without All the Bollocks. I'm really excited about it. I hope you're going to buy a copy. It's available in all good bookshops now. You can also get it on audiobook too if you'd like to hear me reading it out loud. But to promote it, I was really chuffed that my old friend and broadcasting hero, Christian O'Connell, reached out to me and offered to interview me on this podcast about the book. And that is what you're about to listen to. I really hope you enjoy it. So um, how are we going to do it? Are you going to lead this then? It's strange, isn't it? Because I feel like I've come around your house, right? Yeah. And I'm starting to stand at the door, bringing people in, sitting them down and going, you know, yeah. getting them all settled. But it's <laughs> Sam's house. It's <laughs> Sam's book. It's Sam's podcast. And I've come on because I actually, just so uh, listeners know this, I reached out to you after I read an early copy of your book and said, I'd love to interview you on your podcast about this because you're a great host and interviewer. And uh, I've got so much from what you do. And I thought, you know what? It'd be really nice for, I think, for me as a listener, and I think other people who listen to this, they know your story, but I just think in the book, there were so many things that came up. I made a lot of notes, highlighted a lot, which I think is always the best thing of any um, book, that actually, what are, the, what are the things that stay with you, where you want to go back to it? And there were so many highlights for me. So, yeah, I'm going to lead this. And first of all, just say, I salute you on your journey so far and everything you've done. You know I've been a fan and we go way, way back. Um, but I uh, I love everything you, how it's twisted and turned. There are no straight rivers in life, just like there aren't in nature. But um, I've drawn a lot of inspiration and not just that, a lot of solace and tough times from the conversations you've had. So thanks for what you've done and what you're about to do with the book as well. How are you nervous, excited? Where are you? Uh, yeah, nervous and excited. I feel, I do feel proud, you know, um, and the responses I've got and thanks so much for what you're saying. Cause you know, uh, let's not turn this into too much of a circle jerk, but you know, you know, you're, you're a big, I'm a big fan of yours. You've been a broadcasting hero of mine for years. So this is a real honor. And, and someone like you, you know, being enthusiastic about this book means a lot. And I have had some nice feedback, which has made me less nervous and more sort of excited and proud, but. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, it's it's exposing. There will at some point be people probably saying less positive things that I've got to brace myself for. But this whole journey that I write about in the book makes me feel more prepared for those sorts of things, to be honest. You know, I, I'm, I'm more able to deal with bad shit now, I think, than I was a few years ago. And why is it that you feel like that? What is it you're most worried about? Well, it's very personal. I suppose one of my things is, you know, I I hope that the book comes across as being about love and the people I write about in there are all people that I love and who have made my life brilliant. This isn't a misery memoir. You know, there's so many people who've written great books about pretty awful lives. I don't believe I've had an awful life. I think I've had a mostly brilliant life. And and the, the interesting thing for me is, this is a book for other blokes, blokes in particular, who also feel like they've had brilliant lives and yet somehow find themselves struggling at times anyway. And that's, for me, like the middle ground that gets overlooked. You know, I've not had any significant trauma, you know, or anything like that. I've had a lot of love in my life. Anyway, as a result of that, 
you know, family and friends who I love dearly and who've helped make my life great. Obviously, my biggest fear is that anything in here might make them feel um, as if I've let them down. And I, I hope I've tried very hard to demonstrate understanding for any kind of conflict there's been and and love for those people and gratitude for the love that they've shown me. Because all I'm trying to say is, is that doesn't matter what your life's like, you will still sometimes fall into bad times, dark times, anxiety, and in my case, you know, bad habits. Um, isn't it interesting how, you know, I had the same thought about when I wrote my book two years ago that same thing like let, letting someone down when you, you when you when you pause and just look at that you saying that you like you've written a book you've written a book right that the number one thing you want to do is you want to help somebody you want to help people and you're worried that by doing that you've let someone in your family down that yeah. in itself you could write another book about that i had the same fears <laughs> yeah and you think yeah. if any kid of mine you know, my eldest daughter is 18. She leaves to go to university th- uh, this weekend. So we're, we're my wife and I in private are heartbroken. But if she, in 20 years from now, wrote a very personal book, yeah, a couple of bits made me feel a bit uncomfortable. Like, oh, I'm yeah. trying to do my best as a dad. But ultimately, she was trying to help other people. One thing I wouldn't say to her is, you really let yourself down and you let me down, right? I know. Wow, I, I feel really uncomfortable about a couple of those bits in there. But you've done something really special. Yeah, you know, you're trying to help other people. I, I don't. I think letting yourself down is listening to those voices and actually not. One of one of the great things about when we have tough times in life, and you've been through this, I know you have, and I have, is actually when you come through it, you grow through it, and you integrate and all that. Is then when you actually the amazing thing is that no one talks about it, is you want to go. Oh, I'd love to just pass it on. And uh, I don't know if it'll help anybody else, but mm-hmm. I just, I've been lucky mm-hmm. enough to have learned this fucking horrible lesson. Mm-hmm. But um, I wish I'd known eight years ago. I hope it helps you. I hope you're, if you're ever in that situation, I hope maybe this little thought or just one thing you could do, you know, is some kind of uh, a friend in the dark to you. And I think it's a, it's a great thing to do. You're not letting anyone down. You're, um, I think you're, uh, it will help so many people. Now let's get into the title. You've always been someone who uses humour, and you're a very upfront guy. You know, you're a proper Hammers fan to me. I think all <laughs> Hammers fans are a bit like you. They're all like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're out there. It's art forward, the passion, yeah. Hammers. <laughs> the title, uh, it's more like sort your head out is great. I get it because that's what we are, that is what we we live so much of our lives up here, don't we? Right, too much so that we lose the connection with our body and our hearts and all that. But the um, the subheading of mental health without all the bollocks. Um, let's talk about that. Well, I suppose the first thing to say about that is I might not have thought it fully through because every bit of press I've done on the BBC and so forth this week, it's, bit, it's caused a lot of trouble. I went on one show and they had to, the runner had to gaffer tape over the word bollocks on my book, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. Then I went into my local uh, bookshop, the local independent bookshop in Leafy Barnes, which is a very posh, oh, wow. twee area. Yeah. And I went into yeah. Barnes Bookshop. You're like were, Sam and Rushdie, are you? Yeah. You're going to go into hiding. And, and they're like, they're, they have been very supportive, but it's nice, bookish, sort of you know, elderly women who work. And they're like, oh, yes, you're a local author. We'd love to support the book. And I go, yeah, here it is. It's about mental health. And they go, oh, that's wonderful. And then they're they're right. And they go, yes, perhaps we'll do a local author window display. And I go, oh, yeah, that would be lovely. And then their eyes sort of scan the cover and you can see them thinking, that's not going in our fucking window. (laughs) window. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a shame. 
the phrase without all the bollocks i when i first started the reset which is what this book was born out of which is yeah. my substack newsletter and podcast i liked it because when i first started talking and writing about mental health what i thought was there's loads of blokes like me you know that, like blokes of our generation christian who grew up like lads in the lad culture that we kind of grew yeah, up in for want for exactly want of a better same. term right so yeah same same as you we all grew up and around that like you said our, our generation of blokes were about taking nothing at all seriously right least yeah. of all ourselves and i thought but there's a lot of blokes struggling just like me and what puts them off this kind of stuff is that they think that there's sort of touchy-feely slightly californian weirdo language around it and i think that's not for me and I thought, actually, the advice you get about mental health, whether it's in a new age book or whether it's on from bloody Greek philosophy, it's all really useful. We just need to communicate it in different ways to make it more accessible to different sorts of people. So I thought the yeah. quickest way of phrasing that was mental health about all the bollocks, which is we can talk about what's going on inside your head. But bollocks is shorthand to men like me and you. Right. It means I'm not going to bother you with all the pretentious nonsense that surrounds yeah, it. Yeah, you're right. There's all the woo-woo, isn't there? Yeah. And I like a bit of woo-woo, but I know when I talk to some of my friends where they've had a tough time, with men, you've got to almost camouflage, you know, and when I first started to get help for anxiety and panic attacks, it had to be really camouflaged, yeah. right? Because if there's any scent of... You know, you patronising me or making out yeah. on wig. Like, what are you or pitying you. Pity's I a big one, isn't it? Yeah. I don't you feeling sorry for me. Yeah, yeah. And yet it's still, I can't even feel sorry for myself, but it's got to be camouflage because we come, we're primal. We can be startled easier, easily. And so I think actually what you've done with the headline is, for me, it felt like the perfect book. I would have read this, right? Whereas if you'd have called it, you know, um, you know, uh, awaken the healer within, or, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's one of those I would have gone, I'm not reading yeah. any of that. I like Sam, but he's yeah. obviously been on a yoga retreat. <laughs> you know, it's just like, fuck that. He's got baggy pants, lots of feet. He's suddenly like Russell Brand. Barefoot, barefoot. He's barefoot, he's barefoot. There's no shoes anywhere, no socks. <laughs> and he's dressed, he's dressed in a dressing gown during the day. Yeah. Um, and like Russell does a great job of that. And that is Russell. He, yeah. he is genuine in that. But like I said, whereas yours is actually, there's a lot of men, you're right, who actually on paper are highly functioning. They're doing really well, right? They've mm. worked really hard. Okay. They've done really well. And they, they, you have this awful guilt, like, well, who am I? Right. I'm only more than my dad did. I work less mm. hours than my mum did. And you have this terrible guilt, like, I shouldn't moan. I'm whining. I'm ungrateful. I'm on paper. I've got a nice house. I'm married. I've got kids. Mm. They have this tremendous guilt. So you, 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 you kind of push it down. I did. And so there is a lot of men in that category, right? Who are on mm. paper go, I should be happy with this. And all those I should be, I shouldn't feel like this. That just keeps you very lonely and isolated. And I think that's obviously where you were. Because you mm. are someone, you were really successful. Mm. Yeah, I, I felt successful. I felt lucky. I felt like I'd got a lot of the things that I'd sort of wished for in life. And the last thing I wanted to do was like moan to, you know, there's a lot of judgments in society and people chuck this phrase around, don't they, first world problems. And that's yeah. become such a popular phrase. And you're thinking, bloody hell, I was walking around when I was first suffering from panic attacks and stuff about 12 years ago, thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm the living embodiment of first world problems, right? This is embarrassing. This is pathetic. Yeah. If someone yeah. else came to me, because I was part of the problem, if someone else had come to me with this sort of stuff, I'd go, oh, boo-hoo. Oh, yeah. listen to that. It's the smallest violin in the world, all that sort of thing, right? And um, 
And so, so I was ashamed of my own feelings. They didn't make any sense to me and I wanted to keep them a secret. And of course that just makes everything worse. And that really is at the core of why I've written this book is that I think times are better now generally in society than they were 10, 12 years ago. Of course, I would hope that most blokes feel slightly more able to open up than they did back then. However, I just want to contribute to that and make people feel less alone and basically go, look, it's all right that even if your life's going all right, you still have bad periods, right? Open up, share, know you're not alone and don't be ashamed of the way you feel because it doesn't matter how much money you've got or what a great marriage you got, or what your job's like, or any of that shit. We're all human beings, and n- none of that incubates you from being a human being, you know? And what do you think all your struggles taught you? Because when I first hit my anxiety and panic attacks about eight or nine years ago, I felt like everything was be- either been taken away for- from me, a- identity, job, earnings, possibly my house. Um, I only saw it as the things that were uh, making me smaller, the fear of losing things. Mm. Um, I look back now, eight, nine years later, it changed my life for the better. I can say that now because I've grown through it. Um, And I know what it gave me, actually, and no one ever talks about that with tough times. They don't ever talk about actually, because most people don't want to look at their own pain in the face. We try and numb it down. I've done that. You've done that. You don't want to actually look at it. You can't even look at yourself when you're having a tough time. We're ashamed of those feelings. We shouldn't be allowed to have them. But when you do stay in the room with your own pain and shit, actually there's tremendous opportunity for change in your life and real growth, actually more connection with those around you. What did you learn from all your struggles? I learned that you have to yeah, confront your pain uh, in order to then have the courage to, to deal with it going forward. And it's like, I think I said to you earlier, it's like, you know, I know that there might be a little bit of fallout from this book, potentially, hopefully not. But whatever comes my way, I've been through bad times. I've faced them down. I've come out the other side. I know nothing's ever as bad as you might imagine it can be, right? And and I just feel equipped to deal with problems. One of the things that I always say about drinking is someone told me a long time ago that the point at which you start using booze and or drugs to get your kicks or to deal with bad times is the point at which you stop developing emotionally, right? Um, Now, I, again, like a lot of kids of our generation, basically started that in the wreck when I was 13 with my mates. Get me to 13, 14, merry down two litre bottles of cider from Threshers. Raised by cider. Exactly. So I think so many of us, I don't actually know if that's still the case with kids these days, but certainly with our generation, we were all down the park. And cans Stella. Yeah. Yeah. We were all down the park, drinking beer, then smoking weed, whatever, whatever. And like, and then like, it took me till I was 40 to sort of Mm. knock all that on the head, go into therapy and start looking inward. All the years in between, I've just been thinking literally, nothing matters and if anything bad happens it can all be sorted by a night out down the boozer with the lads right we can laugh everything off and really hostile to the idea that anything needed any like big deep reflection yes i I started having to relearn how like get rid of drinking drugs relearn how to cope with life um because i had stopped learning in 1988 right and suddenly it was 2015 it's like i've got to start learning now so I've been through it and bloody hell, it takes a while. I mean, for the first three years of sobriety, even though I was going to regular therapy and stuff, I think I was still loopy. I look at myself, they call it start ra- raving sober, right? 
I look at some of the things I was doing in my first three years of sobriety and I was thinking, no, I just, you know, it's the classic. I was replacing, like I replaced it with exercise and work and my behavior yeah. was still slightly volatile, just in different ways. You know, I started to lose my temper a lot more weirdly. And um, actually lockdown was good for me because suddenly I took a step back from everything. I started writing this, the reset, I started writing about this stuff a lot more, started talking to people about it a lot more. And now I mean, God, I'm by no means perfect, that's for sure. But I'm, but I'm, are, less, I'm less scared. Are you happier? I, yeah, oh, you're less yeah. scared. I mean, isn't that what we all want, right? I'm three months away from turning 50, right? And one of my daughters, right, she's 16. She was like, what are you hoping for that life's going to be like, right? Now you're 50. And she she, she was being serious. And I yeah. actually said, I almost got quite tiff. I went, I just want to be a bit less afraid. Because yeah. now she's looking at me like, hang on a minute. He's 30-odd years older than me. Right, she's 16, so I'm 34 years mm. older than me. Mm. Why is he Why is he still scared of, like, monsters under the bed? Yeah. Right? But I, actually, the, the honest answer was, I just like you just said, what is freedom, right? People talk about freedom and spiritual freedom. It's just less fear, isn't it? Mm. You know, fear of that guy at work that you think's got better ideas than you or mm. that neighbour who's got a better car than you. It's all this. I mm. saw a guy the other day pull up to this coffee shop, right? And he had a Lamborghini. It was my sort of age. I could tell he wanted us all to see he had a Lamborghini, right? Yeah. And I was smiling, right? Because um, I felt sorry for him. I wanted to give him a hug, right? I wanted yeah. to give him a hug to say, yeah. it's okay, mate. It's okay. I yeah. guess your dad didn't give you what you thought you deserved. <laughs> yeah. okay. I know. If I had done that, Sam, and I held him, uh, you know, yeah. seen him now, Goodwill Hunting, yeah. Robert Williams with Matt Damon. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. <laughs> he just yeah. yeah, he would have just melted like, and cried. so exhausted cried. being that dude with that Lamborghini, constantly looking around going, Is yeah. anyone, has, anyone see, has anyone seen me in this Lamborghini? But, yeah, it's. Um, I think it's... You, you you grow through these experiences. You you seem so much genuinely happier. You're going to have tough times. Mm-hmm. That's life. But you are, you're right. I think a lot of us, and I know this is true for me and you, is that actually what happens if you, like a lot of us were raised that way, being lads, and at the time it's great fun, mm-hmm. right? But what happens is when you stop growing that emotional, those emotional skills at that age, they get arrested. So what happens is suddenly you're in your 40s and your emotional system is regulated by a fucking teenager. Good luck with yeah. that. So when you yeah. have an argue with the missus or trying to negotiate with your kids to get them to go to bed, you're going to – basically, you've got a – you're a teenager, yeah. you 40-something know, body. That yeah. is only going to end in disaster. I know still a lot of dudes, my, my friends, who are kind of like that. Yeah. You know, like, you're too old to be having that teenager run the show. That teenager needs some love. He needs releasing. Yeah. He must be exhausted. The pressure of running all your adult life for the yeah. last couple of yeah. decades. Yeah. No wonder he's still reaching for too much beer at the weekend. Absolutely. And it's the other thing that's exhausting, which is connected to it, is the, it, the exhaustion of, and I see a lot of men of our age being obsessed with being taken seriously and respected, which ties into Lamborghini Man, but it's not just the material stuff. And legacy, no sound. The other one is legacy, right? Legacy, And I'm like, I was at my father-in-law's funeral about six months ago, went back to the UK for it, and I was just like, I was just looking at, you know, everyone awake, all talking and stuff like that, 
and his achievements and all that. No one's really talking about that. All everyone was talking about if they if you got stories and how you made people feel. Oh, I remember yeah. once he did yeah. this. That's yeah. legacy. It's yeah. not what you've achieved or he did this and he did this once in seventy eight. You know, that doesn't mean shit anymore. There's all this thing yeah. about legacy and impact, and it's not re- it's not really about that. We're not here that long. Mm. Mm, exactly right. And I look at people exhausting themselves, driving themselves to the point of heart attack to prove points about how correct they are, right? About yeah, the world. Who? who are opinions. they really proving it to? Because yeah. the rest of us really, it's like I start to realize, you know, you, well, you waste so much of your life uh, worrying about what other people are going to think, like you about your book, worrying about yeah. family members that may or may not. Most people, they don't really, care. haven't really got that much mental energy to think about other people. You're too worried mm. about your own stuff. And then it's like Russian dolls, them worrying about what you might be thinking. Right? Misery is a bit trying to work out what someone else is thinking. Yeah. You know, you're on your true path. And I think you're inspiring so many people. But I've, I've, what I've loved from your journey is what you've learned from it and passing it on, Sam. And that's what you do in the book. And also, it felt like the book to me. I felt like you and I were going on a big old road trip, maybe up to Scotland or something, and you were just telling me stories. Mm. And you were a great storyteller, and some of them really made me laugh. They really made me laugh. And there's great jokes in here as well. And a lot of spiritual chat and healing talk and stuff like that is so heavy, serious. It feels like actually, oh, you feel so miserable. Are you? Am I meant to then get like you? Because you, you, yeah. you look joyless. You're telling me that you've got joy. You're the most miserable person I've seen on my Instagram feed all day. <laughs> Was actually, this is what healing should look like. You yeah. Can, about it, you, can, you can joke about it. You can be light. What's the whole thing about bringing the dark out into the light? There are times when everything's deadly serious, but sometimes there are things when those deadly serious things can be deadly funny as well. And that's it. And it doesn't tr- have to be you earnest. Everything's so earnest around this. Oh, that's, that's you know, what oh. I'm trying to provide an antidote to. Your book did a great job of that as well. You know, I laughed all the way through, despite the fact that you're examining some pretty, you know, traumatic times and difficult yeah. feelings. And yet there was a, you know, there was regular laughs. And if people, so, someone said to me, I was quite touched. Someone said to me the other day, oh, I've read it. And I, I genuinely, I was crying on one page and laughing on the next. And I just went, jackpot. That's it. That's yeah. it. Jackpot. I want the tears. I want the laughter because you need to be able to see that, you know, life can be full of both. Of it. And the other thing is we've talked about all this lad stuff that you and I both grew up amongst. And, and in a way, professionally, we, we kind of had that persona. And we both you benefited from it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to trade in your Jack the Lad card to be someone who is self-aware and sensitive and vulnerable. Right. You don't. Ha- it's not an either or. That's the other key message. Right is I say to blokes, listen, it's not like either you're still oy, oy, one of the lads That's making everyone laugh. No, people think they suddenly you have in to wear the baggy feet. pants, no yeah. shoes, and they've got to be deadly earnest. And it's like, no, you don't. You, who said you have to do that? You yeah. don't need to do that at all. You can still be – you look at so many great comedians and writers who've gone through tough times and now are doing their best work, and actually they're not any less – more fun to be around. I think the big thing people worry about giving up, say booze or anything like that, is mm-hmm. like you'd be deadly serious and I'll be boring in the pub. It's just like, I don't think that's really true. I don't think that's true at all. You know, you're not any less funny because of what you've been through. If anything, I think your powers have actually got stronger. Mm. Yeah, well, you've got more clarity. That's for sure. I mean, when I tell the stories of my past <laughs> in the book and stuff like that, I've got real clarity over them and I, I can sort so of... when I was reading some of those stories, right... 
I start to get those sweats. You know, we almost like those 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 awful kind of like daytime middle aged hangover sweats. And then when you're topping up, I'm starting to go. Oh, it's actually quite a vivid experience going through that book with you. It's like some oh. sort of Hunter Thompson experience. I say this: you were highly functioning all your all your digital habits. The, the, like the thing is, it was only the last couple of years. I, I always say, you know, people think that uh, people often think, oh, was this when you were editing Heat or you were on the Lad Mags? And you must have been partying madly or something. Not really. I wasn't yeah. actually that bad then. When I had a responsible yeah. job with a good pay packet, I was too scared to get too yeah. out of it, right? I just wanted to, like, keep my job. But when I was freelancing, which I have done for most of my career, it was only the last two years, even 18 months, where I let being a pretty, you know, a pretty enthusiastic weekend party guy, right, that, you know, I'm not like, I was long past the stage of being out clubbing and doing pills and all of that. I was just sort of like a guy. I was a dad who in the week might have had the odd glass of wine, but at the weekend I'd be at the football and I'd maybe have at least one or two big nights out. And then it was only towards the end where all the stress and pressure got to me, where I spent that last year and a half, two years maximum, where I suddenly became daytime drinker. And yeah, that, that was, was it. But I actually was, I felt really sorry it. for you then. It was like, because yeah. I knew you then and uh, it was, like, ah, you know, and I, I, I know I've known people who've done that, that daytime thing. You just thought, it's, oh, they just love a drink. Mm. And you tell yourself that they just love a drink. Oh, he's always happy. That guy He's always mm-hmm. like, a real laugh. Mm. You don't ever think what's underneath or what's, what's motivating someone yeah, to do was, that. I was secretive. I was secretive as well. Very secretive. Well, that's about like all, it. all addicts. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now people listen to this think, well, I, I don't do that. I'm not Coke. Or I don't need to go to booze. But yeah. I think all of us, if we're honest, you feel the pull of addiction from some form there, whether it's porn, yeah. overworking. Yeah. I've done that with overworking yeah. so many times when I start to feel a bit uncomfortable in my feelings of what's going on in my life. I think, well, I'll just take a new project on and then yeah. I'll just numb it out with that. But even thinking that's what I'm doing. And then later on, I hate the extra thing I've taken on. It was just like, I didn't want to be with some uncomfortable thought or feeling. It was like, mm-hmm. I'd rather, I need a distraction, whatever it is, which is what, what your your book does is it gives people even if you couldn't afford therapy or you thought I'm never going to do therapy, I think actually just reading the book, you'll get enough of a framework of what you can. A lot of it is just what you can start to do. It's yeah. even that thing. There's so much said, tell someone it's like, yeah, all right, listen, it was that easy. <laughs> We'd all be happy. Men mm. wouldn't be killing themselves at record numbers all over the world. If it was simply like that, oh, I just ring someone right now. We've yeah. all got lots of mates, right? Mm. None of us having the real honest conversation. Something you can spend two hours with your in your mate uh, in the pub with your mates to where you might win the fight between Jason Bourne and John Wick, yeah, and not have a you know not have a conversation where one of them two weeks later your wife can go. Have you heard um, Johnny's having a really tough time? Did he speak to you about it? No. Yeah, we were talking about uh, would James Bond, Daniel Craig beat you know um, John Wick in a fight? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he spent hours on that and the yeah. ultimate fantasy team, and it's just like I love all that still. Yeah, but it's just like I also love how and being able to slip under and have a real conversation actually about life and be of support to each other. But that you and I can do that, right? But I know a lot of my mates that I care deeply about, they really struggle with that. Mm. That first step, there's suddenly teenagers at the school disco where they're at the, the hug in the walls. Yeah. They're, they're trapped in there. And I think that's what a lot of feelings for men, it's like they're frozen. We freeze them at a young age. We're yeah. raised and yeah. we're taught 
by people who didn't know any better. It's not to blame anyone. You talk that actually don't do that. People think you're weak. You won't get promoted at work. Other men yeah. will laugh at you. Women will laugh at you. You need to be strong. So you think, all right, well, if, I, if I'm emotional, people won't love me. I won't do well enough. Well, fuck that. Then I'll freeze that over. I'll push that down. So later on, when that all starts rising up, no wonder you're reaching for other things to try yeah. and numb Dis- that. Or distraction. Distraction. Yeah. Numbing out. And just, and also external validation, you know, which is where the, the, what you just said about work is something that actually made me think, shit, I think I might still do that a little bit at times. The I know way I you do describe it. Um, yeah, I know. I, I still have to watch it when I do that, you know, and I speak to someone who's English in Australia. And so it really, that, it really activated all that in me because all these Aussies were like, the fuck do you think you are coming over here to teach us how to do radio? Yeah. And so I really want to go, oh, oh I'll show you. So <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Really? Is that yeah. your learning from anxiety attacks and, you know, all that? Is that you need to show those that, you know, it's just, oh, I think I'm trying to show my dad that I'm stronger now. Yeah. The other one had those panic attacks. You always have to go off and have a word with yourself and go, hey, come on, buddy. You don't need to do this anymore. They don't really care. Yeah, you know, they're just they're just they're just trying to get along. They're just trying to get along with you. It's okay, but yeah, that validation is still a big thing, especially for men because we're status beasts, aren't we? Mm. If you're out with any new guys, you, you you all men do. You go, yeah, what's the name? What do you do? It's not mm. it, it, actually the subtext is, you know, what do you do for work, isn't it? Yeah, you know. And then if someone goes, oh, I'm I'm not working at the moment, people go, they don't say anything, but it's like, yeah yeah oh, okay got a weak one here have we <laughs> easy prey yeah yeah you do you know we're out in the wild wet you're dying yeah you yeah, ain't yeah. you ain't making 24 hours it's terrible isn't it yeah you know it's yeah. awful you have all those things you know even when i meet someone new and they go oh, i'm you know this and you go oh, okay that must be interesting for your wife you know that's to go god wait, whose voice is that that's your dad's I I, I find I know that I'm not operating that well if I find myself trying too hard when someone asks me what I do, right? Oh god. <laughs> yeah. Like and I do do that sometimes. If I'm feeling good about myself and I'm in a good state emotionally, people go, What do you do? And I go, nah, mainly I just do a podcast with my garden shed these days, to be honest, which is true, and I love it, and it creates a good yeah. life something. But if I'm feeling if a bit feeling uptight, bad, what do you say? Same scenario, but what do you say? I'll be like, you know, uh, well, I'm I'm a journalist, and uh, <laughs> and I'm an author, and author. I'll just I'll put a different spin on. It is the truth. I'm my but, Barnes Bookshop Author of the Week. Yeah, exactly. I'll just make it sound posher, right? Yeah. That, that's what I'll do. I'll very subtly make the whole thing yeah, seem posher spin. and yeah. more successful. And as soon as yeah. I've done that. I think to myself, oh, God, Sam, you're not in a good place at the moment. Because when, no, you're, in you a good awful, place, you? when yeah. you're in a good place, you can really, you can almost do the opposite and just sort yeah, of you can play it, it small. You yeah. Know, literally say, I'm a hobo. I'm a tramp. And they're like, oh, yeah. cool, right. But you, you don't care. You don't need to impress them. Yeah. You don't need to be anything or say, oh, I do this. And then they're going to like you more. Because yeah. actually, once you realize, once you, got, once you get chat to them and you make them laugh or you just start to ask them about themselves and you start to make them feel good, they like you probably more than if you went, I'm a brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's so interesting how stool... And also, a lot of people think that if you go and have therapy, you'll get help. You're going to be healed forever. And I'm like, no, I don't know. I remember I remember speaking to my therapist right about a year in, into therapy, right? And he was like mid-50s. And he turned up and he had a cut lip and he had a black eye. He'd obviously been in a, in a fight, right? Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, listen, I'm... 
let's not worry about my shit. What the hell's happened to you? He goes, oh, I got in a, I got in a, I got a real temper. I got in a, uh, I got in a fight, you know, I got in an altercation in the car yesterday. Yeah. And I went, yeah. what? I thought you, you, <laughs> this is, this is a Larry David, me. this is a Larry David episode, yeah. mate. <laughs> so, you know, I, said, I thought you meant to be better than me. He said, who, who told you that? Yeah. No, I'm just as human as you. No, no. All it is really, listen, buddy, all this is really about is just like realizing when you've, you've come off a bit and coming back. Yeah. And we're like, okay. And it's just that it's like a weeble. It's just like bringing you back. You've got to work out what your center is. And then when you feel a bit of distance from it, bring yourself back with no, with, with no judgment. That's what it's yeah, going to be for the rest it. of your life. I'm that's actually, as good as it's going to get. I haven't talked about this a lot, but I've over the last sort of few months, I've been doing a course in counseling and psychotherapy, right? Which I started because mainly because I do all this talking and writing about stuff. And I thought, actually, this is a bit dangerous. Why should anyone take advice from me? Right. So I thought, I want to know the basics about it. And what I've learned, and I'm very much in the early days of it sort of thing, I've been doing about four months, is that all it's really about is listening and not yeah. judging, right? Listening, understanding, and not judging. And the power of that, and you what you, you almost, you're overtly told, do not try and give people solutions. Do not try to give people advice, right? Watch how, if you listen properly, and you and you try to be empathetic and you're sort of unconditional in your understanding and and non-judgment then watch how the power of that allows people to just help themselves a bit better and and get better they feel less alone they feel less ashamed and those and once that those weights start to lift life becomes easier to deal with sort of thing no, 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 Sam, you've hit on such a big truth there, right? And though, often those big truths sound really um, small. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not as simple as that. Actually, it is. You know, there's so much motivational stuff on Instagram. I can 10x your healing. Mm-hmm. I can tell you. And actually, there's an easier way to go through all of this. And actually, we're not very good at listening. We're really good at waiting for the next moment to talk. Was that he should do this or that reminds you of this? Actually, in so many people I know go, oh, I don't know what to say to my mate. I know he's having a tough time. He's just getting over divorce. I don't know what to say. I says, like, yeah, yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> he doesn't need you to say anything. Mm. Right, just go around and sit with him. Have a cup of tea. Yeah. Right? I just hear the dude. You Actually, you that's the problem. You, you'll get in the way of, your, of the situation. You don't need to say anything. He doesn't need to say anything. You ain't going to be able to fix it, nor should you. You mm. know, but actually just sitting there. How many times have you said to a friend, Oh, I feel a lot better now. Thanks for that. And they go, Oh, I didn't really say anything. You're like, Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for you listening. Know, and not, space. not making me feel bad or stupid, not belittling the problems. Right. Yeah, telling me here's what you should do or think yeah. this. Like if it was if, if if it could only be fixed by our thinking, right? The yeah. world would be a lot happier. It isn't as simple as that because a lot of the time we're not even aware of these programs that were installed a lot of the times when we were younger we don't even know that know they're running in the background that's the hardest thing is understanding yeah hey that thing's yeah. been running for that you can turn it off now by the way and that's what well, i've oh, done yeah, that's, that's why in the book I, I write so much about the funny small things that happened in my childhood and adolescence because yeah. they amuse me but <clears throat> when you do 12 steps right which i i've never completed the 12 steps if i'm honest but i know them i just haven't like done it officially um, but the fourth one is you've basically got to do an audit of all the little bits of pain you've experienced in your life, right? You got to sit with your sponsor and just go. I mean, the first time I heard this, I thought, are you mental? Like, who <laughs> would do that? You want me? I've got enough on my plate as it is. Yeah. You want me to sit yeah. down with a bit of paper 
And yeah, remember, it's a sort of every... shopping list of shit you've been through. Yeah. yeah. And, and we're talking about even that mean thing that someone said to you in the playground in 1987, yeah. right? Yeah. That, like, we're going that small. And they yeah, want to so know. Lo- you're going through a big old hurt locker. Yeah, exactly. And I thought, you've got to be mental. There's no way that I'm ever doing that. I now 100% see the point in it. And I've done it a bit yeah. in this book. Because what you yeah. do is, once you go back to those things, you start to realise how they've hadn't, because you didn't process it and you buried it, which is what most of us do, right? You bury some shit that someone said to you. And when you're a kid, someone calling you, like I write in a book about a girl who I fancied calling me fat at a party, right? And oh, I was yeah, like... I that. You're like, that could, and I, you, that, could, that could last a lifetime. Yeah, and uh, but the thing is, there's no way you're going to go around as a kid going, oh my God, lads, did you hear that? You're literally, you and your mates all pretend that it didn't happen yeah, because your mates brutal. even are like, this is too bad for us to even take the piss out of him for. It's that brutal, right? And so no one talks about it again. And you're just like, maybe it didn't happen. And then years later, yeah. you think, no, that did fucking happen, right? Yeah. And... It was really, it was really, and I tell stories. I've told some of these stories. Like I go on, I go on a, 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 a an outward bound adventure week with a gal right. who I'd fancied for ages. And as soon as we get get there, we she gets off with my roommate who we've just met. That is horrendous. It's horrendous. And I'm stuck in the Brecon Beacons for a week. Right now, I've told that story a few times because it is actually funny. Right, and I was 14, I think. And then one day I told it to my therapist because I've got a relationship with my therapist where sometimes I just like to tell her stories because she finds them funny and I get a kick out yeah. of it. You know, yeah. it's just the way the likes of you and I are, right? I'm yeah. just like, so sometimes I'll go, yeah, listen to this one. And it's oh, like, yeah, you didn't get this one. You love this. You better do a seminar and, on this. And, and she laughed, but then she went, do you know what? That is so painful. And I went, no, it's funny. She went, no. It, I mean, yeah, it is funny. But she went, that is horrible. Have you ever thought about how horrible that was for you? And I said, I just sort of think of it as a funny story. Shit like that happens to you in your life. You just either ignore it and bury it or or you turn it into a funny story. But you have to understand all those things really bruised you. And if you didn't acknowledge that to yourself at the time, then you've had all these little bruises and you don't really stop to understand this is shit that I've been through, you know? Yeah. And everyone, everyone, no matter what kind of level of childhood they have, you will all have, you will all come, no one comes out of childhood unscarred. Exactly. You're the best parents in the world. They're human, like we all are. They're going to make mistakes. Friends are going to say mean stuff. You're going to say mean stuff. And that's just inescapable. And I think sometimes part of being a grown up is to actually just acknowledge that and you'll have a better life. Most of the people who are in, are, uh, like in management jobs who are bullies and in politics and all around all these jobs and stuff like that who are creating real problems are just grown up men that haven't resolved um, teenage and childhood pain. I mean, look at fucking Trump, right? Or anyone like that. You can replace him with a million other men who are in real pain and stuff like that. And you think that dude must have had a fucking awful childhood to be this angry at his age. Really? There's a fantastic book called... Yeah. Sad Little Men, right? And it's by a bloke oh, called I've got to read Richard, this. Richard Beard, right? And Richard Beard is an author, and he went to a public school. I can't remember which one. It wasn't Eton, but it was it was one of the big ones. And he, he went, and he was a boarder. And he was the same generation as Cameron and Johnson and various other people oh, basically right. run the country. And he writes about the experience, the psychological and emotional experience of going off to one of these boarding schools at a young age. Because a lot of them go when they're still primary school age, right? And being torn away from your mother and father 
and the rituals. You think about it, yeah, the, it? the brutal ritualistic sort of culture that you are raised in in these public schools, which were designed, by the way, to literally they were originally designed to train our you know leaders for the empire, right? And what a great job they've done, yeah. And he's like. He writes about it and he, you know, it's a brilliant, but it's so moving and it's so brilliantly kind of described. And, and he sort of relates his own experiences to these other people, some of whom he knew at school. And he's like, this is, this is the explanation for all of the things that happen. Yeah. Like for when it appears that we have, you know, leaders who have no empathy with ordinary people and stuff. That's what they were taught to have. And and you're sort of emotionally numbed from a very early age because you go through something traumatic. I mean, imagine, you know, you're taken away from your mum. Your mum sends you away when you're eight or something, yeah. maybe younger, you know. Yeah, so it's, it's like someone out of a, one of those 80s um, Disney movies, isn't it? It's so yeah. traumatic. The kid's always banished from the kingdom. Yeah. And then, you know, they're sent away and so that. It's, it's, it's awful. It's so much of the problems of the world, especially the country, are men like that who are deeply wounded and taken out on us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really, it's a, it's a brilliant book and it explains so I'll much. I'll check that out. Yeah, I think you'd like it. And he actually well, did a, he he did an episode of the reset as well, so that that episode's there for, to listen to if anyone wants. Oh, to. I'll never listen to that. Yeah. Now tell me this then, right? Because obviously I realise that no one likes podcasts that goes on for ages, right? Mm. Tell me this, right? I'm a guy. I, I would never go and see a therapist, right? I'm uh, heading to forty, okay, and I'm finding myself that bit by bit starting to drink more and more and more. I'm doing really well, but I don't know how to talk to my friends, and I'm miserable as sin. My wife goes to bed. I start to reach for that and another bottle of wine and stuff like that. I'm worried if I get help, I lose my job. I won't know where I am. It would just, I've worked so hard to keep myself strong. Why should I go and get help? I think that the most important thing when you're first trying to uh, tackle your drink problem is to make yourself accountable. Because like I said earlier, I was a secret drinker. I wasn't accountable and in my mind, I thought, no, this doesn't affect anyone else but me, and no one else doesn't needs to know. And in fact, it's not even happening if no one else knows. Do you know what I mean? If a bear shits in the wood and no one's there to see it, it was one of those scenarios, right? Make yourself accountable. You will never stop unless you open up to someone, anyone, and make it sort of public to some degree that you are going to try to stop drinking. Doesn't mean you have to come out and say, oh, I'm a derelict. I'm an alcoholic derelict. But you do have to make yourself accountable because if not, what you always have is a back door, a secret back door that you can slip back out of. And I spent years giving up, then relapsing, giving up, then relapsing. It was because I always had a back door because I might have said to my missus and only my missus, yeah, I'm not going to drink anymore or I'm not going to drink in the week. But then, of course, I had myriad opportunities to slip off when I had a bad day and and drink yeah. secretly. So make yourself accountable. That's the main reason to talk to people. The other thing is, is that, you know, you will meet people who've been through it, who've shown you that there's another way. You'll realise once you open up to people that, A, you're not judged, you won't lose your job, you know, unless maybe you have to drive heavy machinery on a daily basis, then they might ask you to step back. I don't know, right? But the judgment is a lot a lot less harsh than you might imagine. The biggest revelation for me since I did all of this was the huge amount of empathy and support that even the least likely people show you the moment you open up. Amazing. And 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 trust me, you will be surprised and delighted 
by people's responses. Take it slowly. You don't, like I say, you don't have to come out and say, oh, I'm a massive alcoholic, but ask for help, make yourself accountable and just see the amount of love that immediately will come your way. And that will make everything easier in your life. That's such a lovely way to see it. It's not about um, giving up something or what you can't do. It's about actually the gaining of something more love for yourself. Friend of mine, it's been a year, um, no booze. And, um, I remember uh, talking to him about it. And I said, I had no idea. I just thought you were a good fun drink at the weekend. Mm. And uh, I didn't know you were a secret drink. He goes, oh, just so we're clear, I didn't give up drink because I had a drink problem. It was because I was just really sad. And I was mm. just like, oh, my God, what great. Yeah. Mm. He was just fucking sad. Absolutely. And, that's, and I was so sad. sad. Now he's not sad. So it's just yeah. like, so it's not like he's denying himself. Yeah. And he sat there and he still comes out, right? He yeah. come out for curry nights and stuff like yeah. that. That guy's not sad. That guy's not denying himself. He's not like looking at everyone else. Everybody's going, wish I could do that. He's like the happiest dude there. Oh, my like, God. Oh, yeah, my friends are down in Peronis. Oh, hey, a tough yeah. week. I really uh, need yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've had a tough week. I deserve this. Stuff like And I'm, I'm looking at him going, he's the smiliest dude here. They're yeah. pounding down the beers. He's the happiest guy on this table. Well, you're and energetic. Yeah, so you're giving you're, up. You're clear-headed. You're comfortable in your own skin. And, you know, you, I try, I don't say it enough because I know no one wants a sober guy being smug or preachy. So yeah. in a way I'm worried I don't talk enough about the positives because it's a bit like, Hey, yeah, you'll feel great when you're going for a bike ride at 7am on a Sunday morning. <laughs> Everyone else is still asleep. Yeah, Our exactly. Bars. Right. I don't want to be that guy. So I, I try, so I don't talk about, but it's just true. I mean, I never feel for one moment like I lost anything. I just feel that yeah, I gained a whole new life, you know, and I just yeah. gained a whole new life. I was like your friend. I was deeply sad. I was almost like that. Do you remember, um, is it New Jack City? And <laughs> there's a scene with yeah. Chris Rock where Chris Rock yes. plays a crack addict. And and the, the drug kingpin gives him a job and he manages to get off crack for a while. But then there's a scene where after a year of straightening his life out, something bad happens and he gets back on the crack. And there's this it's scene sad. where it's true, right? he's lighting the, the, the crack pipe. You can get a gif of this, which I'm a big fan of. And I sometimes send it to some sober mates of mine because it's code for us all about what happens when you relapse. Because he's lighting the crack pipe for the first time in like 18 months. He's been good. And as he lights it before he takes his first puff, he's crying his eyes out right? He's like crying as he does it because he's not thinking, hey, great, crack, and get back on crack and feel great again. He's doing this this is is awful, and I know I can't stop myself from doing this, but I know it's only leading down a path to misery, right? So we've got this gift that we sometimes send to each other without a message, right? When everyone's saying, oh, I felt a bit of a wobble the other day, you just send them Chris Rock crying as he smokes crack, because yeah, I mean, you know, there is no positive memories associated particularly my last two years of drinking whatsoever only negative and everything now is just i mean life well, you never, would never complete the energy easy. for all your all the things that you do now yeah and what uh, that's lit a, a new fire actually a, a, a healthier bigger stronger fire in you you wouldn't be able to do all this now if you were still had if you were still oh, boozing. i don't know where if you were out of control it's just like you haven't got the energy i don't think i don't think i'd be i think that my marriage would probably have That's been no over way. you know no. career who bloody knows financially i was already on the edge of implosion because the amount of like irresponsibility i was practicing with my money you know so yeah it would be a mess who knows but it wouldn't have been pretty well done mate and well done for telling your story it is it's the um i think the hardest thing in life actually is to um 
uh, to be who we really are. You know, who we were when we were younger, actually, before you start thinking, oh, I don't think my dad likes me when I'm like that, or a bit tearful after that kid said that, mm. or I started to cry about that. Dad doesn't like that, or mum doesn't like it if I do that, or mm. oh, I won't do that anymore, then otherwise I don't get love. And so I think actually most of this stuff, really what you and I have realised and a lot of your listeners hearing all these amazing people you get on is a lot of it is actually just remembering who you were. You don't got to yeah. learn something new. It's actually just taking yeah. off all these judgments, all these stories. That's all it is. It's all these stories. I shouldn't do this or should that. It's actually, there's nothing new or someone else you're trying to be. It's actually going back to who you already were. It's just a, it's just a small act of little remembrance about who you actually, who you always were. It's just all yeah. this other stuff you've kind of like built on top of it or tried to numb down or bury. And so actually through your story over the last couple of years, I think actually you're going almost like back to yourself in a way as much as you're getting older and wiser. Yeah. And your relationship with your kids and your wife now will be amazing because oh, it's just brilliant it's just brilliant although i think of your book a lot because my kids rip the shit out of me so oh, yeah, badly and That's you portray your relationship your daughter so well and put like that it's so funny i mean it's horrible but it's so funny and then horrible. with the mental health stuff they're like oh oh you got to talk to your therapist about that are you yeah. oh i know why don't they take the piss they go why don't we all sit down and have a chat about our feelings dad is that what you're going to tell us my to kids do? do the same right they're <laughs> daughters right and they're always going about toxic masculinity mm. and, and, and rightly so right but i'm, I'm like don't they time they'd go at me going how yeah. was your therapist today did you ever cry yeah. about when you were 12 and i'm like yeah. what <laughs> do you want Listen, i'm trying to, I'm trying to, sort I'm out trying toxic, to be a good man toxic masculinity <laughs> Yeah, you can't win either I way. Think they, they, I, thought, I thought your generation were meant to be kinder than mine. Yeah. You're no, no worse for I think they are to everyone other than their own dads. And that's just <laughs> what we... Do you know what I mean? They're nice people, but just not to their dads. That's just... <laughs> you have to just take that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Good luck with the book, buddy. And well done. And thank Christian, you as well. Thanks so much for doing this. You're a great man and lots of love. I always love chatting to you, Sam. I've always loved chatting to you, and I love where you're at right now and where you're going and where you've been as well. It's uh, it's given me a lot of comfort as well. And so, uh, and your your podcast and your Substack and uh, well, everything you do, what a great thing from what you went through to really use that to transform it for everything you're doing. That in itself is a message to everybody else. You can you can draw your own stuff from it. So, good luck, mate. And um, you're on the right path. And I wish you all the best. I love chatting to you, Sam. Cheers, mate. Well, there you go. I hope you enjoyed listening to that. I really enjoyed taking part, and I'm extremely grateful to Christian O'Connell for hosting that for me this week. Please go out and buy the book. It's called Sort Your Head Out, Mental Health Without the Bollocks. It's out now. Thanks for all your support, as always. And until next time, gang, be lucky, and don't let the dickheads get you down.